0: Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We are in a series called Old Time Religion, and this is message number two, which is a question, who will go for me? Let me... Just review just quickly for those of you who are just joining us today for the first time, I'm going to be presenting themes in this series that impacted my life in the first few years of my faith journey as a teenager. Sermons and sermon topics that set the fire in my heart and put my feet in the right direction to have a passion for deep discipleship in my life. These are things that I'll be talking about over the next few weeks that have been the anchors of my soul that held me. Um, Things that brought me back after falling and tripping up. Things that helped me to pursue the why of the calling that I was trying to navigate and understand in my life. Things that bring me back when I get lost in the weeds of the machine of churchianity, Um, old-time religion, old-school things that got my life on the right course and opened my eyes to Jesus. Um, I was at the Lakeland Civic Center outside, and I walked up to a limousine, parked, running, knocked on the window of the driver's side and the window came down and the man the limousine driver said what do you want and I said I'm here to talk to your band about Jesus he was waiting on Ozzy Osbourne, Ronnie James Dio and the rest of the Grateful Dead to be finished the concert, get in the limo and go About the time I began to talk to him about Jesus, a witch walked up next to me and looked at me in the face and said, what are you doing here? I'll tell you the rest at the end. (laughs) True story. From the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, starting in verse 8, Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Lord, we ask you to do what you've already laid on my heart that you want to do, and that I would be totally out of the way, but would be in the way of the Spirit as a speaker and we would be in the way of the Spirit as listeners. It's mind-blowing to think how that through technology now, you can speak in real time, and in your chronos, you can make this time real some other time when someone's driving their car, listening to a podcast, when someone checks in on YouTube later. That time will be real time. Make every one of those times a time between you and Us, in Jesus' name. Well, last week I talked about walking to an altar and what took place there. Well, I came home from that Wesleyan church. I had been at the altar. And as I said last week, when I went to that altar, my great aunt, she was great, but she was my mom's aunt, so she was my great aunt. Her name was Jessie. No pastor came around me. No board member came around me. No prayer team came around me. My Jesus freak Aunt Jessie came around me. That's what I thought of her before that morning. And I was down on my knees crying and praying, and I said, Jesus. And she laid her hand on me, and here's what she said. Get it all, Timmy. Get it all. And I was telling my Pastor friend and former roommate of Southeastern and we're representing Southeastern today. I said to Clay last night, all I remember is at that moment that she placed her hand on me, I felt like I was placed in a rocket ship with heaven G-forces hitting my life. And from that moment on, I never saw my Aunt Jessie as a Jesus freak again. I realized she was Jesus-filled. jesus filled I had an experience there that's only compared to the book of Acts, and I had never read about any experience in the book of Acts. No one taught me. I was not at some kind of Holy Ghost rally thing. No clue. But what happened to me there in a church that didn't even believe in it? I went home that day, went into my bedroom, and found my Bible. It wasn't hard to find. It never moved. It was sitting on my shelf next to my big cabinet speakers from my stereo. Hmm. Anybody have those? Anybody now don't have any hearing because when you did your homework in your room, you laid between them? Huh? Yeah, baby. Only way to do it. Only way to listen to DC 101 was in between the big cabinet speakers. Listening to the grease man. Whoa. But as I was in my room, scriptures flooded my mind and started coming out of my mouth. Now listen, scriptures that I hadn't even memorized since I was a little kid, maybe second or third grade. I didn't know what was happening to me except there was a God thing happening to me and I'm telling you the truth. And I opened that Bible and it said, to Timmy McGregor from the primary class at Memorial Heights Baptist Church, signed by Millie Robinette and Violet Plummer, who were my Sunday school teachers at the time. Sonia's mom, Diane Higson, also became a Sunday school teacher of mine. And I remember Millie Robinette, Violet Plummer, Diane Higson, and a man named Les Benson who was a traveling salesman, and he would sell gum and all kinds of stuff, and every Sunday school class as a little kid, he put a Bible in front of us, and we read the Bible, and that wasn't exciting, but what was exciting about his class was he always threw out some kind of pack of gum or some kind of thing that we got for free. So we all looked forward to at least one thing every Sunday school class with Les Benson. My Bible was a King James Version, and I remembered that day trying to read the book of Matthew, and I got through the genealogies of Jehoshaphat and whoever was fat and all that stuff, and I didn't... (laughs) And I didn't know, I figured, well, this Bible ver- version was good enough for Peter, James, and John. I guess it's, in the Baptists, I guess it's good enough. I thought the only kind of people on earth were Baptists and Catholics. That's all I thought. You were either a Baptist or a Catholic or you were an, ag- or an atheist. But I didn't know there were all 743,000 different denominations. I had no clue. I was trying to read that and I couldn't understand it. And I prayed a prayer. I prayed, Lord, if you will help me to understand this. I promise you that the rest of my life I will tell everybody I can what you show me and say to me. And from that moment on, only because of God's choice, He led me through the wardrobe into Narnia when the Bible is open to me. I'm a person that's as normal as the next guy, and I mean I'm normal as the next guy. And I have problems, I have contradictions, I have storms, I have struggles. I even sinned once. And and the thing about it is I thought, I never want to do that again. No. <laughs> I, I I can sin with the best of them. At least I used to be able to do. Now I don't as much. But, you know, don't mistake me for him. And don't mistake the gift in a person for the giver of the gift. One of the things I always try to do, and probably do it too much the other way, is is try to blow up the idea that I'm the Messianic promise and that, all you gotta do is let me pray for you and your transmission will get healed in your car. I don't know a thing about that. I don't wanna be that guy. I don't want anybody to look. I want Jesus to be seen and Jesus to be heard and Jesus to be followed. Um, I live most of the time out over my skis. Most of the lessons I've learned in my life are through the mistakes I've made and I've spent a lot of time on Dum dumb Street in my journey with the Lord. Just so get that straight. But with that said, I also know that by the grace of God, I am who I am and I just want to be, I want to make full proof of my life. And uh, he put his hand on me to tell people uh, and to go and preach. That summer, I started attending Central Assembly of God. I said last week the pastor there, Ken Owen, was a a soul winning pastor, full of the Holy Spirit. And he preached one message one summer uh, from Isaiah 6, and it was this passage. And he was talking about the need to take the gospel to our city of Cumberland. This was 1980 something early. um, And I'm sitting behind him in the choir. and he was talking about the need to preach the gospel, take the message, who will go, always a must. He said the world is dying. And they had this, a lot of churches back then had bus ministries, All of, that was the hot thing, just like you know, certain things now are the hot thing and everybody does it and guys get their TV screen behind them now. So they think they can be like Andy or whatever, and how people do the stuff. That was bus ministry, but there were people that really had it in their heart. God put it in their heart to do it. And we, uh, the Central had buses going all over the place, all through the town. And uh, uh, there, were, there were leaders in the church that kept ch- challenging Pastor Owen on that. They'd say, why are you so passionate about running buses, picking up kids in the north and the south and the west side of Cumberland? We're spending too much money to run these buses. And the Saturday outreach. Old school. They, had, they used words like soul winning. Old school. I'm gonna tell you something. The old school's gonna become the new cool and the new Jesus revolution. I'm telling you that right now. And I remember him saying that one of those guys said, Leave them, tell them, leave them alone, they're happy. And he began preaching. And it was just that very week in the national news, a 13-year-old boy killed his mother and stuffed her under the bed. And he said, leave who alone? Who's happy? And as he began to talk about this passage from Isaiah 6, my heart just began to just beat, just beat, just beat. And he said, who will go for us? And I said, here am I, Lord. Send me. And I went off to Southeastern U. Sitting at Southeastern University, you'd hear missionaries preach that very same message. Who will go for us? Calling a new generation, a new generation of young men and women. And I ask this generation of young men and women, I ask you under 30 years of age, who will go for us? Who is hearing this? After graduation, I uh, was a youth pastor in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right outside of the uni- right near the University of Alabama. And in that church, I was a youth pastor. I was a, I was a, a worship pastor, and I was a part of a of a college ministry on the campus of the University of Alabama, God's favorite school, by the way, Roll Tide. And if you don't believe that, get right with God, and you'll see things clearly. But we had a we had a ministry, a street ministry there. Um, in the church, though, we started uh, we started reaching we started reaching a big segment of the African American community in different parts of Tuscaloosa and bringing people into the church, filling the rows. And it was a it was a it became a multiracial, mostly racial, black congregation. And God was really moving. And uh, I was invited to be a part of a. Board meeting, private board meeting, with my pastor that I worked under, my friend, and the board. And some of these men were men that I highly respected, and I'll never forget it. That night, they looked at the pastor I worked under, and they said, we love everything that's going on, but brother, what we need are some nice white families in this church. And I'm sitting there, Joe College, and I just, I couldn't believe what I just heard. I went back to my office and laid on the floor and began to cry, and I said, God, am I in 1950? 1950? What is going on? Get me out of here. It so upset me. I remember being in my apartment a couple days later, just feeling like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And I turned on a secular radio station, sorry. But I turned on a secular radio station, and I didn't know this band, and, and, and all of a sudden I heard these words. Don't believe the church and state and everything they tell you. Believe in me, I'm with the high command. Can you hear me? Can you hear? I'm singing. Can you hear? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's my only chance. It's my. Only, everybody always wants to take my stage. Anyway. Don't believe the church and state. And everything they tell you, believe in me, I'm in the high command. And then I'm thinking, what am I? Am I listening to a Christian radio station? They said, better you should pray to God. The Father and the Spirit will guide you and protect you from up here. Can you hear me? And the Holy Spirit hit me. I got in my car and I rode outside of the town of Tuscaloosa to this beautiful lake that I like to go to. And I was sitting there and I was like, God, what is going on? I don't understand this. I don't understand it. Heard the Lord say, I'm going to use you to be, when I I pour my spirit out on a new generation and and, and I'm going to hit the college, I'm going to hit the young kid, I'm going to use you to be a part of that. And that was in the 80s and I thought it would be next week. It still hasn't happened, but we're right. We're right. We are, look at me. We are right on the cusp of it. So before that, back to Southeastern. I'm at the Southeastern Library. And uh, I like to read about preachers of the past, missionaries of the past, leaders of the past, and... So I want to talk to you a little bit to thread this together, echoes from the Dead Preachers Society. Echoes from the Dead Preachers Society. Um, John Wesley's the first one. I like John Wesley because I, the Lord got a hold of my life in a Wesleyan church. When I talk about that story about the rocket ship, I was in a Wesleyan church John Wesley said, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and such alone will shake the gates of hell. John Wesley, who is he? He's a dead guy. But during his ministry when he was alive, and he's still alive, by the way, he rode over 250,000 miles on horseback, which is an equivalent to 10 circuits around the globe at the equator. And he preached over 40,000 sermons and most of them were outside because the Anglican church kicked him out because he was preaching the gospel. And he founded a method of training believers. It was then called a Methodist training. That's how the Methodist church was birthed. And from that Powerful fire in the Methodist church back then. Tributaries came off that river of which many of the churches that I've been a part of became. It was a movement in the Jesus revolution of the day. 200 years later, here's another dead preacher's words. If we had more hell in the pulpit, we would have less hell in the pew, said Billy Graham dead preachers society. G. Campbell Morgan, who died in 1945, you know who he is? He said, nothing is more needed among preachers today. He was saying this in the 40s. I say, amen, it's the same today. Nothing is more needed among preachers today that We should have the courage to shake ourselves free from the thousand and one trivialities in which we are asked to waste our time and strength and resolutely return to the apostolic ideal which made necessary the office of pastorate. We must resolve that we will continue, sounds like Acts 6, steadfastly in prayer and the ministry Of the Word. Dead Preachers Society. I'm reading these things in the library at Southeastern University with my heart just... Richard Baxter. I preached as never sure to preach again and as a dying man to dying men. I used to read that stuff and go, that's it. That's that's the way you preach. That's the way you do that. But Sister Bruce told us that there's a myth in the church that there's a, that the only people that are called are preachers and missionaries. And she said, no, 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 in her British accent, no, brothers and sisters. Everybody that Jesus called is called. But there's special guidance in the call, special callings in the call. We're all called to follow Christ, are we not? We are all called, as I've said through the Ephesians series, fill up the worthy meter of the calling which involves stewarding the gifts the Holy Spirit has placed in every believer. Fill up the worthy meter of the calling. Make it worth God's investment in your life. As a believer, we're called to that. But among the called there is a twofold calling and I believe he's making it again right now he makes it in every generation. Every generation. I believe he makes this call in every generation. Can you hear me? Calling you Can you hear the call among the called out? We're all called out, but can you hear the call among the called out? And this is not for everyone in the called of the people of God, but this is who I'm talking about. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Jesus is speaking to all the disciples, multitudes of people listening to him, but Mark points this out, and when he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach. Summoned by Jesus among the community of the called, to come to him, appointing them to, one, be with him. Well, aren't we all with him? Yes, we are, but that's not that I'm t- that's the different. It's different. Alone with him, away with him, so he could prepare and teach you. Dead preachers society. E.M. Bounds says it like this, a prepared heart is much better than a prepared sermon. A prepared heart will make a prepared sermon. And he sent them out to preach. Now we're all Christians, all of us are commissioned to tell our story to tell our story about Jesus. When you read the Gospels, the people that were telling their stories were not the apostles. They were not who I'm talking about. They were just people. They went around telling what Jesus did for them. Oh, what would happen in the world if every believer would have an up-to-date, Jesus is doing this in my life, and just tell the story. Tell the story. Tell the story. But in that story are those gifted to proclaim the word of God, like Paul, who explains that he had no option in the matter. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians. He says, For you see, even though I proclaim the good news, I can't take the credit for my labors, for I am compelled to Fulfill my duty by completing this work. He knew that there was an assignment from Jesus on his life. And he had to fulfill it. And then he said, it would be agony to me if I did not constantly preach the gospel. You've read it where it says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And then he says, if it were my own idea... To preach as a way to make a living, I would expect to be paid. Since it's not my idea but God's who commissioned me, I am entrusted with the stewardship of the gospel whether or not I'm paid. One great leader told a bunch of us at a network meeting, don't ask them to pay you what you're worth, son. You can't make a living off that. I heard the Lord say, who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. Back in old school church, people would get up from the altar and they would say, God's calling me to preach the gospel. There would be people that would come to our chapel services who were missionaries in in uh, in the Far East and they would say, I was in a backwoods church in Alabama one Sunday night and the Holy Spirit moved in my life and said, you will preach the gospel in Asia. I'm wanting somebody. I don't want to call you. I don't want to call you or convince you to do anything that isn't the will of God for your life. But oh, how powerful. Preachers of today, my age, are waiting to hear people come up and not just say, yeah, God's going to use me in my town. That's not to put that down. But someone says, you know what? Give me Europe or I'll die. For the church of today and tomorrow and the preachers of the days to come. And Lord, you can't tell me that I've been here for 30 some years and there isn't at least one person in this present generation that you've zeroed in on, listening, watching, sitting. Here's the question for all of us, the church and the preachers of the days to come. Here's the question. Will you be a great commission generation? Go and make disciples of all nations Go and preach the gospel to all creation. Will your discipleship include if you're not going, you are sending and you're equipping the sent? In other words, is your wallet as saved as you? When you look down through your monthly budget and your interactions of your checking and your savings and all that, does it shine out and say, this person is sold out to the cause of the kingdom of God? Does it show up? Does it show up? If someone looked at you, and I'm going to tell you something, I don't know a lot about it, but I do, I've heard reports that there are some people in the new young generation in our church that you could read over their stuff over the month of giving and years and and months go by, and you can say, this person here appears to be very passionate about financing the work of the kingdom of God. Will you answer the great commission in this new generation? Will you shake off the selfie church and make it, I will serve your church. Will you be about, will you be, will you be about, not me, Will you be about the evangelism of souls? This is a question to the upcoming preachers. Here's the question to the upcoming church. Will you be about the evangelism of souls? Here's one. Will you be committed to a deep discipleship? Do you have a concern that these little tots, these little tater tots, my grandson that's over here singing a thousand hallelujahs, Will you, are you, Do you want them to have a deep discipleship experience? You know what I've discovered in my life and I've discovered in other people's lives before they do? We are way more ignorant than we think, even when we're anointed. I'll say it over here, I'm not sure anybody... We are and I don't we are way more ignorant than we think even when we're anointed. But we're never unloved and we're never unfruitful if we're pursuing him faithfully. I'm concerned about depth in the pulpits. I'm concerned I want to hear a louder volume, not for show. I want to hear a louder volume from the generation below me in the sense that it's, Lord, whatever you want in my life. Lord, whatever. So this is how I was raised up. This is the kind of preaching that got my attention. Lord, whatever you ask. Lord, I will pursue you with my heart wide open, my ears wide open, and my feet You turn my feet. In other words, Lord, I'm going to begin to allow you to grow me. I'm going to allow you to grow me. Don't get your deep from TV preachers. Search out the treasures in the wells of the dead guys. The dead ladies. Grow me. Don't hide your laziness behind your giftedness. Absorb yourself in the scriptures and prayer with your eyes fixed on. Those who've gone before you in the path you're to walk. In other words, don't get your, 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 your readings of the depths of commitment you make from people who haven't let their nets down. Dead preacher society. To preach Christ is to feed your soul, to set it free and save it. And believe what you preach, Martin Luther. My, one of my favorite preachers is Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan said it like this, and I'll tell it and I'll think it and I'll speak it and I'll breathe it and reflect it from the mountains so all souls can see it. Then I'll stand on the ocean until I start sinking, but I'll know my song well before I start singing because a hard rain is gonna fall. Lord, you can grow me in this. Lord, you can go me. You can go me. These are the impressions made upon my heart in the first year or two of my life in the four at Southeastern where he lovingly but pressed into my life. When I think about my life from then to now, In the public ministry, in pastoring and preaching from youth pastor days to campus minister days to uh, all kinds of parts of church days. I'm not talking about my private life where, you know, everybody has their stuff, everybody has their struggles, everybody has their storms, everybody has their their stuff. I'm talking about pastoring publicly. I wrote this down but by the grace of God, I didn't do everything right in navigating the call, but I did everything I thought he was leading me to do. I can't think of anything consciously that I just said, no, God, I'm not going to do that. I won't go there. I won't leave and do this and st- I won't. I, I don't have any conscious awareness of that in my life. God wants a new generation of young people who say, God, whatever you want, that's what I'll do even if I don't want it. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. Not everyone is called to that office of pastor, teacher, evangelist. But everyone is called to be a faithful witness, a living letter, a testimony giver. But in every generation, there are those he calls to this, to be with him, to come away with him, and to be sent out to preach. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He said to Moses, Moses, I've put my words in your mouth, and I am sending you. To Samuel, as a young boy, he said, I'm going to speak things into your ears, and when you preach them, the whole nation's ears are going to tingle. He's a little boy. Elijah comes out of nowhere, this The Tishbite is all we know. What's a Tishbite? I don't know, but this Tishbite can make the rain stop raining. Jonah. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach to them. And he didn't want to because he was on the other political side. He wanted God to get Nineveh. He didn't want God to save them. Jeremiah. Before you were born, I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. Ezekiel was a late teen priest in training, and then they got captured. He got sent to a foreign land, and out by the river Kibar, he saw visions of God. God found him. Listen, if you're one of these, God will find you. And he showed him a wheel blazing in fire, rolling down the road in the skies. And he heard God say, son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. Take the book from my hand and eat it. Eat it all and then go preach to the house of Israel. You know, many were doing something else as believers when God created moments like Amos Amos says, the words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa. The vision I saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake when Uzziah was king. In other words, am I called it? Call I'll tell you what, you know, you have a time stamp on your life, man. There is a moment in time, and it might, be, it might evolve, it might be embryonic, but there is a moment, there's a moment. He can tell you it was two years before that earthquake under Uzziah. I was a shepherd and he said, come on. Later he says, I'm not a professional prophet and I was never trained to be one, I'm just a shepherd and I take care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord called me away from that and told me, go and prophesy to the people of Israel. And I was taken from them to preach God's word. Like Simon Peter, two times. At first, after fishing, he says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And he left the nets along with his partners and went to follow Jesus. And then after three years after, after denying the Lord and he thinks he's disqualified, you know, some of us are harder on ourselves than the Lord's ever been hard on us. And we, and we transfer and we project our own legalism, our own self-hate on the Lord. And the Lord has to come find us because we think we've, done, we've blown it, we've messed up. Simon says, I'm going fishing. What Simon is saying there, how can Jesus use me anymore? I was supposed to be this, I've opened my big mouth, I told him I was, I'm the first one at the altar every week going, Jesus, Jesus, and what did I do? I caved three times. I'm going back to fishing. But listen, my friend, Jesus remembers your yes. Even in the midst of your contradictions in storms and shakings, Even if you've been through the crucible of hell's worst, he remembers your yes. If everybody else cancels you and you doubt, you let Jesus be the judge of that. Faithful is he who calls you and he will bring it to pass. He's on the beach with a do-over for Simon and he's on the beach with a do-over for some of us. Dive in the water, get back on shore and take a long gut-level honest walk with the one who invited you on a walk that he didn't invite, invite anybody else on and get back on the walk. I'm preaching today to an upcoming generation. You might say, well, this isn't relevant to me. Well, it's very important that in every generation a Timothy rises up and here's. The Lord through the apostle saying, preach the word. I charge you before God and Jesus. How do you know you're called to this? I would say that if you long to do something else, you love the Lord and there's something else in your heart and he's not making you miserable about the something else, which is a godly, probably the lane, probably the lane God intends you to be on. And if it is, don't listen, don't shake, don't, don't self-call yourself out of guilt or something. If you long to do something else and he's not making you miserable, keep going into something else. That's not a bad thing. But... If there's something on the inside of you like was on the inside of me, no matter what else, there's the thing. And you have to do it. If it's nets and ministry, cool beans. But you will know. You will know You don't have to call yourself. You don't have to let anyone guilt you in. Don't go study to preach if you're called to be a doctor or a singer or a teacher. God needs you where he wants you to be, but if you're a doctor, a singer, and a teacher, and the Lord's calling you, listen, friend, you must listen to the still, small voice. There will come a day That you will realize if you're summoned, and there will be no doubt, you will have to count a cost. Let me tell you about the cost. The cost of the call of this is very high, but the reward is higher. The prophetic preaching mantle and the next Jesus revolution that we're right on the cusp of, it's kind of like the Elijah mantle. He was going to be taken up and, 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 uh, and Elijah was directed to place a mantle on a new person and then from that new person it would go to a new generation. And Elijah was directed by God to go directly to a young man plowing a field for his father. Here's the passage. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him. That means his father was very prosperous. Didn't just have a little broke down uh, sled with, a, with an old you know, three-legged donkey doing their best. 12 pair of oxen. This guy had a good job. He had life security. And Elisha comes to him, and he takes his coat off, his mantle, and he places it on him, and then he just leaves. Elijah, it, it's, not, it's, not my, it's not your, your purpose your pl- to, to go any further than that. I wrestled with this preaching this message today. I said, God, I don't want anybody to be self-called. I don't want anybody to transfer. I don't want to put my yoke or my armor on anybody else, but I feel stirred that you are stirring up a new generation and I can't believe in the amount of if you just if God's a good businessman, he's good practice. Like, you know, he doesn't send you fishing where there aren't where there aren't any fish. He doesn't send you fishing where there aren't any fish. So there's a reason I'm preaching this message. Who am I preaching to? Don't raise your hand. Elijah. And Elisha says, please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I'll follow you. And I love this part. And Elijah says, go back again, for what have I done to you? He's like, this has nothing to do with me. You, you, can, you can stay, you can plow, you can, you can stay in the restaurant. Like Elijah's saying, this isn't between me and you at all. This is between you and God. Look at Elisha's response. So he returned from following him, took the oxen and sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people. And he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. New generation. Young man, young woman. And I do believe in women preachers. Sorry. Read Acts. Did I lose you? Sorry. Sorry. What do you see? What do you hear? What will you do now? That's, that's the question today. Here's the answer God wants. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Here's the answer. Here I am. Send me. That message, that message came into my life. There's room at the cross for you. Here am I. Who will go for us? To me, it was literal going, being Alone with the Lord, summoned by him, to come away, to be a part, to let what's happening in Narnia really become incarnational in my life, to take the ignorance that, uh, that, uh, under the anointing and lay it down before God and be taught, be teachable, to pour the water on the hands of another and spend time and fight against that longing to get there and do and get in place because Jesus is coming tomorrow. Jesus is coming. I, I don't have time for the I don't have time for English lit class in junior year. I don't have time. I gotta go. I gotta that that God lets you buck up against that. He lets you buck buck up. Amos, so let me let me tell you that this one got to me. I remember I remember sitting in chapel one day and just by myself and uh, I read this and here's what I, I don't have it in your notes but. Here's what Amos preached he, to, to the people of God. He said, what sorrow awaits you who lounge in luxury in Jerusalem and you feel secure in Samaria. You are famous and popular in Israel and people go to you for help. How terrible for you who sprawl on ivory beds and lounge on your couches eating the meat of flocks. And the choice calves, you sing trivial songs to the sound of the harp And fancy yourselves to be great musicians like David You drink wine by the bowlful and perfume yourselves with lotions You care nothing about the ruin of your nation Therefore, you'll be the first led into captivity And suddenly all your parties will end you heard that on TV lately? In your podcast? I was talking to my buddy last night who called expressing condolences about my mom. And we talked about the joy of heaven and the hope and all those things. And then we began to talk about things. And it's interesting how both of us are kind of going through the same thing in the Word and as pastoring direction and stuff. And we got talking about the old days, he and I. Where have we been? But one of the things he said was uh, there, there are a lot of military people that attend their, his church and godly, solid, Bible-solid people who behind the scenes are saying, pray, Pastor Clay. We're being military things that are taking place that we don't know about in the country, we're not told about. But it's dire and Pray. This is, these are educated, solid, not flippy weirdo people. Solid military veterans. And the Lord is calling in the community of the called young people. Who will go for us? See, we roomed together in Southeastern and we both had similar experiences. Both of us came out of a Baptist, Baptist background, loved my Baptist roots, still am a Baptist. And a, so I'm a Baptist, Methodist, something Pentecostal something or other. Just, I'm I'm like the Bugs Bunny when he went out around the world and he came back with his suitcase he had all the stickers on it. I'm sort of like that. Kind of Velcroed it up. Um, But we were were talking last night about God, God's power on our life and we'd go out to do things or go ice skating or roller skating or go and get a banana shake. I can't remember that cool ice cream place. But we'd just be going, going to church or whatever and the Lord did so many things. So, this is just how I lived. It's not to show off or nothing like that, because there's never been a time in my life where God's used me that I didn't have other struggles and other young, young, young men things. You know, you're praying to Jesus about and walking, walking in the light and falling, getting back up, all that. So I've never, I'm not, but I'm just telling you. I had it. We had it. We just when we'd go somewhere, we just felt like we were supposed to tell people about Jesus or look for opportunities. And we were, I don't know. I I, I didn't go to see the Grateful Dead, uh, but we were. I was there with a group of people and to to share the gospel. And um, and the next thing you knew, I saw that limousine. And I'm just just this way, and I was like, I'm. What do you want? Well. I want to talk to you about Jesus. And he looked at me real weird. He goes, listen, man, he goes, do you know who I am? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, in, a, in about a half an hour, uh, Ozzy Osbourne and Dio and in the, in the, in the band's gonna be in the backseat of this car. And I went, is it really, is he really, when he bites the head off bats, is that real? He said, oh, he said, oh yeah, it's real. They're really that. I said, well, can I wait for him? He goes, you don't want to do that. About that time, this witch walks up. She was was there for the limo for another reason. She had blood smeared across her face. She wasn't a girl dressed up to play witch. She was a witch. And she looked at me and she said, what are you doing here? And all I did was turn to her and she looked like she saw A terrorist with a nuclear bomb strapped to his chest. And she got terrified in her face and sprinted away. And that has nothing to do with me. That was the anointing of the Holy Spirit in that moment (laughs) on that woman. And the Lord said to me, don't ever doubt the power of God on your life in the midst of a dark world. Clay and I were hungry, that's what, you're always hungry when you're in college. Anybody ever been to college? You're always hungry and you don't have any money. And I was good at using all my meal punches before the weekend, and then I didn't have anything to get any food with on the weekend, and so we became beggars on the, at the Beautiful Gate, sorta. Of. So we, of course, and if we did have any money, the only thing we could afford would be something from McDonald's back in the day when you didn't have to spend your paycheck at McDonald's. You could, so we went to this McDonald's and we're sitting there getting ready to eat. And two, two, two seats over from us is this guy. We're in our tw- early 20s. This guy looked like he was probably 50-some years old. And he had his head down and he was cursing God, saying stuff, Jesus, and, and not like just cussing, but saying, and cursing him. And my, my roommate, Clay, just came back from India on a summer missions trip. So he was like, his hair was on fire. So there we are. And the next thing you knew, Clay got up. And over he went, I thought, oh, here we go. And he sits down on the other side of this guy, so I went over and sat down too. And that guy looked up at us, and I've never seen evil in a face of a person like I saw in that man's face. And he looked up at us and he said, I've killed a man before and I never got caught. My father's a preacher, my brothers are preaching on the streets in Atlanta, and I'm the black sheep. And we never introduced ourselves. And he said, And what do you have to tell us, preacher, to tell me, preacher boy? He knew. He knew. So my buddy Clay reaches across and puts his hand on that guy's head, and in the middle of McDonald's, starts praying in tongues. You want to clear out a restaurant? <laughs> you, hey, you go to Applebee's and they say there's a 45-minute wait, start praising God in tongues. You'll get the next, you'll get, you'll. And, I, and Clay, Clay started praying in tongues for this guy. And I'm like sitting there going, oh, dear Jesus. I'm usually bold, but I even got freaked out on that one. And, 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 and the manager came out to look through the window out the door like, and went like that. Nobody, nobody touched us. Nobody came near us. And there we are. And I started praying with this guy, too. And in a matter of a little while, that guy looked up at us. He said, why would God, the spirit on his life melted. And he started saying, why, why, why would God want me? We, we took him out in the parking lot and we began to just share the gospel with him. To make a long story short, he walked out of there with my Bible, took his, my Bible home with him and promised that he was going to go back to his apartment, get on his knees and ask Jesus Christ to come into his life. That's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about we have to be We have to be open to be led. We have to tell our story. We have to be on fire with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Lord has spoken to me through my life to, to, to visit family members who didn't know the Lord and preach to them cold turkey scared to death. Neighbors next door, people on the boardwalk at Ocean City, my kids have seen me veer off, not to leave them alone. Their mom would be there. Veer off and go talk. And it wouldn't just, I'm, I'm gonna go witness. I'm gonna go witness. Just led by the Spirit of God just to do that. On a subway and she Chicago, and God's asking a new generation. Clay and I were talking last night about the fact, I don't want to lose that. I want to get that back. It's never left me, but I, want to, I, I said, you know what? I find that I go to the restaurants now, and I'm not thinking of that first thing. Are you? He goes, I know. I said, you know what, we're on the brink of a brand new Jesus revolution and God wants to use us to pastor a whole new group that are gonna have the fire in their hair and the wind blowing in their sails and uh, we're not to quench one thing, we're not to quench one thing, we're to open ourselves up to God but pastor it in a solid biblical way. That's where we are. And I wanna challenge this new generation with this. Are you gonna take this gospel with boldness and power on your life? Or are you gonna let the peer pressure of militants with the new sexual gospel or the no morality redefine everything in your face, out-evangelize you at your school, out-evangelize you in your campus while you walk by with your head down being kind? Is that what you're gonna do? Is that what you're gonna do? While they proclaim and define the new normal and they don't care how young, right in your face, right in your face. And there is not one inch of license in our life to get militant fleshly, combative, or mean. We don't play that game. The devil wants that game so bad he can taste it. He wants the church filled with hate and a mean spirit and a fleshly combat. No, here's what he can't, he can fight that, he can use that, but what he can't fight is somebody that's broken, humble, they know they have nothing but the mercy of God on their life, and they're led by the Spirit, prepared (laughs) to listen and preach the good news of Christ. Don't get caught up in the save the nation game. Don't get caught up in that. It's a trick. There isn't a good side. The only thing the world's interested in is making Babylon great again. Nothing else. Don't. Receive a fake blonde for the real blonde. Can you hear me calling? Can you hear me calling? That line in that song where it says, your sons and daughters will rise up and fight while we stood still. Can you hear me? Can you hear me calling you? Stephen Lawson says, dead guy, it matters to God what is preached. It matters to him how it's preached. No one is free to preach whatever and however they choose preach. I want everybody to stand please. Everybody standing as the Holy Spirit of God is moving in this place as the Holy Spirit of God is moving across the United States of America as some of the greatest conversions in the world are happening in the most communist of places in Cuba there's a great move of God going on. In China there's a great move of God and the greatest move of God that's happening in the whole wide world right now are the students in Iran that are being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit preaching under the risk of their own lives. The underground church in Iran is exploding right now. God is moving and it's time for a visitation of the same glory of God and he'll come with the same message, maybe different methodology in a new generation. And you don't have to do it my way or anybody's way but it's the same message. Might be a different method. The same message, the same anointing, the same spirit here is the call today old school is the new cool are you too cool to answer an altar call are you too cool for school this altar call is for a young generation you say God God You are searching this nation right now, looking through the roof of churches around America, and you're asking, who will commit to the Great Commission? Can you hear me? Who will go deep in discipleship, whether you're a dentist, Or whether you're a daughter or whether you're a doctor or whether you are and you're hearing me say come away with me I'm going to use you I'm gonna put my words in your mouth and I'm gonna make you stand before kings and people and cities and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ who Whereas his eyes search is saying, Lord, whatever you want and what you don't want, Lord, whatever, I'm a whatever, put your hand of power on my life. There is an invitation from the Holy Spirit. I know this like I know my name. There is an invitation of the Holy Spirit for those today who will answer this call at the altar of God, who say, God, put your hand of power on my life and an anointing for me to leave this place and go after you in a pursuit of how you're going to re- Define and define me. Not me and me and them, me, me, Lord. It's just me and you. Here am I. Yes, here are we, but it's not that right now. It's here, it's not to the right, it's not to the left, it's not mama, it's not daddy, it's not kiss the girl, but it's it's Lord, here am I. For those who respond to this, I promise you this. I can't promise you an impartation, but I promise you I'm going to pray for one. I'm going to pray for an impartation of the Holy Spirit of God that regardless of who you are or where you are or what you do, that the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that can melt demons off a man's face, I've watched it happen will come down upon your life this morning I was discouraged in Alabama and I my mother always oh Jesus my mother always prayed for me my mom always prayed for me She didn't know what was happening. And uh, she sent me a card. It said, I'm praying for you. and I just want to encourage you. Nothing can harden the hearts of holy men like spending too much time close to those who handle holy things with unholy hands. And then she said, "God gave me this passage for you. I'll never throw this Bible away. This is Excalibur. And I have it underlined in Psalm my mother." She said, "Tim, this is for you." Which, God, your goodness is great. This is Psalm 31:19. God, your goodness is great which you've stored up for those who fear you, who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You do hide them in in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. Someone pulled me aside in leadership and said, we like you, if we get rid of him, will you stay? I'm a kid. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I will keep you secretly in a shelter from the strife of accusing tongues. My mother was a praying woman, prayed for our son. God. Heavenly Father, I just... I pray you'd put 10 times anything you've ever put on me without the junk part of me on people who hear you and answer you today in Jesus name you must listen to the one who called you before you were born there are People's lives that you've never met, you've never known, who are five years, 10 years, 20 years up the road, just as I. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. I've prayed personally with some of you and if it wouldn't have been for my mother's prayers, my other people's prayers for Kenny McDowell back there standing in the gap for me way back in the day, if it wouldn't be for people like that, you wouldn't know me, I wouldn't know you and we wouldn't know moments like this, there wouldn't be a this and theirs is this because faithfulness of others prayers and the power of God faithful is he who calls you, he will bring it to pass, he'll bring you along he remembers your yes even when you've stumbled and fallen and failed and you've said God how could you possibly he decides that he remembers your yes make it real make it deep make it mean it all and bring it to this altar today and let God put his power on your life draw them Lord right now draw them right now draw them right now give me that new wine give me that song come on come on come on hey this is Pastor Dustin and thanks for listening If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.